Hey everyone, Eric Grenier here, and welcome to the 40th episode of the RIT Podcast. We're going overseas this week to France, where voters will be casting their ballots in the second round of the presidential election on Sunday. It's an important election with potentially big implications, pitting the incumbent, Emmanuel Macron, against the same right-wing candidate he faced back in 2017, Marine Le Pen. To discuss what's going on in this election and what it could mean going forward, I'm joined today by Raphaël Bouvier-Auclair, Radio-Canada's correspondent in Paris. Bonjour, Raphaël. Bonjour, Eric. So before we get into the details of the election, you've covered elections here in Canada, you've covered elections in the United States. How does it feel, a French election, compared to Canada? What What is something that you know would surprise people if they were suddenly dropped into the middle of a French election campaign? Well, there's, there's a few things, Eric. First of all, there's a lot of political parties. I mean, we have quite few parties in Canada, especially if you compare it to the US. But here in France, uh, so you had 12 candidates uh, that were running for the first round of the election. And with the French uh, laws um, regarding this election, at the end of the campaign, every candidate needs to have the same airtime on TV and radio, which means that you hear uh, the ideas of some candidates that at the end of the day will get one, two, three, four percent. And that's quite different uh, from what we see in Canada or in the U.S., where what you hear is mostly the the candidates of the the main party, the main contenders that will finish in first or second position. And there's also the system in general, the two-round system, that makes it quite interesting. Um, So to explain it quickly, uh, you have all those 12 candidates that are running for the first round, uh, but there's only two that will get to the second round. The two main candidates will get to the second round. All the other are eliminated. And in the meantime, between the first and second round, you have a two weeks period uh, in which you have a lot of strategy going on and a lot of change in, in the political discourse of the, the, the two main candidates because they try to convince voters from other parties voters who supported other candidates to rally them. And that's quite interesting also because you're going to see an evolution at the end of the campaign uh, in the ideas and the proposition. And that's not something we necessarily see in other political systems. Yeah, because only a little bit more than 50%, I think, of uh, French voters backed either Macron or Le Pen. And now there's the other half that they need to convince to come over to their side in just those two weeks. Yeah, Macron got what uh, a little bit less than than 28%, Marine Le Pen was around 24%. Uh, so they have to convince all those other people that they didn't necessarily agree with what they were proposing for the future of France. Uh, so yeah, that's quite, and what's interesting also is that in that part of the electorate where you have a lot of votes, uh, you have a lot of left-wing voters uh, who are, don't feel that they're represented in, in the, those two main candidates. And that's quite interesting also because you see now some promises on the left or linked to ecology environment that are kind of em- emerging in, 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 in the speeches of, of candidates. Uh, and then that's, I think, partly because of that political system. So let's go back a little bit because now this is Emmanuel Macron going for his second term. And the polls do show him in the lead. The latest polls we we saw, you know, still have him at around 10 points, 10, 12 points over Le Pen. Um, But it's not that common for a French president to be the favorite to be reelected, right? It's been a little bit of a while since anybody has been able to win two elections in a row. It's been a while. The the last uh, president was uh, Jacques Chirac, who left uh, office in 2007. 
uh, his two successors, uh, Sarkozy, Nicolas Sarkozy and François Hollande, uh, from both the right and the left, just got one uh, term uh, at the, the uh, of France. Uh, in the case of Nicolas Sarkozy, he got beaten in the election by François Hollande, and François Hollande himself was so unpopular in the polls that he decided not to run again. Uh, and even before them, uh, you had presidents that were re-elected, but also back then what you saw Uh, was a system where uh, there was what we call in French cohabitation. So you had a president from one party, but at the end of his term, sometimes it was a government led by uh, a politician from another party. So uh, there hasn't been uh, for a while a French president that has been reelected uh, while he's both you know, controlling the Elysee, so the presidential uh, palace, And also the government. So if Emmanuel Macron gets re-elected, it's going to be something that we haven't seen in France for a while. Uh, and so that adds, obviously, to, to, to the difficulties it faces because you see that, you know, it's not common. It hasn't been common in the last uh, few, few years for French uh, voters to back again uh, a, a president that, that's trying to get re-elected. Yeah, should mention, I guess, that it's a bit like the American system where you can be the president, but if another party controls the assembly, then uh, it's a bit... It changes it's, it's dynamics. A, right. It's not exactly like Canada where, you know, if you're the prime minister, you probably yeah. have the government as well. Um, <laughs> so right. the first round results, you, as you mentioned, Macron had around 28%. Le Pen was a little bit further back. You had Jean-Luc Mélenchon, who was from the, the left wing. He was just a very close behind Le Pen. What were your big takeaways from that first round result? Uh, there's uh, a few things. First of all, you just talked, Eric, about uh, Jean-Luc Mélenchon. I think he was the big surprise of this election uh, because of the, the, the votes he got. Uh, he, he was not far from Marine Le Pen. He almost got to the second round with 22%. Uh, and his voters are going to be quite important uh, in uh, how the election will end up. Il ne faut pas donner une seule voix à Madame Le Pen. On Sunday, I'm right now in Marseille, in southern France, um, where Jean-Luc Mélenchon is elected as an MP. So we, you know, in the last two days, we walked around the city, talked to voters. There's a lot of Mélenchon voters here. Uh, and, you know, it's going to be quite interesting to see what they do in the second round. Um, a lot of them are just telling us that they want to stay home. They're not interested in either Macron or Le Pen. Some of them are saying, you know, I think I don't like Macron, but I'm going to go and vote for him because I don't want Marine Le Pen to be president. Uh, and there's also, you know, people um, in, in the Le Pen campaign who are trying to convince some uh, Mélenchon voters to, to back Marine Le Pen because, you know, they're, they're saying, you know, you don't like Macron, why voting again for Macron? Try something new, try something different. Um, so that's also interesting. I mean, Jean-Luc Mélenchon told his supporters not to vote for Le Pen, but polls are showing that, you know, you can have 15, maybe 18% of those Mélenchon voters who could go for Le Pen. So it's going to be quite interesting to, to see. So that's the first part. I mean, the, the Mélenchon thing is quite interesting, is going to be quite interesting on Sunday. The other uh, main takeaway from the election, uh, the first round uh, on April the 10th, was how bad uh, did the, the, the main traditional parties in France. Uh, you had 
the the the, the main traditional right wing party, which is named Les Républicains, uh, which was the, the former party of Nicolas Sarkozy, uh, who got under five percent of the vote. They cannot even get their uh, expenses reimbursed, uh, which is local laws here in France. And, and so the, the candidate uh, asked the supporters to send money to pay back the, the campaign expenses. Uh, and and the, the scenario is even worse for the Socialist Party, who was in, in power not too long ago, from 2012 to 2017. That party was controlling government. Uh, they got uh, less than the Communist Party of France. Uh, the candidate was the Paris mayor, Anne Hidalgo, uh, and you know didn't work out for her, didn't work out for the party. And a big question is going to be what's going to happen to those main parties that have been governing France for decades now. Uh, you, you see that the political landscape is shifting, changing, and we got the confirmation with that first round of the election. It, you know, I know it's a different country and a different system, but when you do see the collapse of those traditional parties, the traditional conservative party, the traditional, you know, center-left party, uh, are there any broader lessons that you take? Like when I see the results in France, I can almost imagine the uh, the election map in Quebec now, where the well, old that, parties, quite, the Liberals and the Parti yeah, Québécois, are the that's ones. That's a that are quite interesting aside. comparison when you look at, at the polls right now, and I guess we're going to see next election uh, in, in Quebec, which is next fall. What what's going to happen there? Uh, but you see in the polls right now that two parties mainly are not doing well in Quebec, and those are the, the Parti Québécois and the Parti libéral, who also have been governing the province for a while. So I, you know, there's other factors. It's not the same, as you said, the same political uh, uh, system and everything, but it's quite interesting to see that some new movements are emerging, and the old one the parties that people have been used to for decades now are, are having trouble uh, you know, staying on top of things. So who are the people who are behind Macron and who are the people who are behind Le Pen? Um, it's quite interesting to look at the, uh, the age, the, the economical situation of those uh, voters. When you look at the detailed polls um, of, of the first round of the election, you, you see that Macron uh, gets a lot of older voters uh, and, and some of the, the voters that are, uh, you know, a little bit richer also. Uh, and it's quite interesting because you see that part of the traditional right-wing electorate now is backing Macron. And some of them, quite a lot of them actually, have been backing Macron in the first round of the election. That's why also the, 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 the conservative party, uh, the center-right party has been doing so bad. Macron got a lot of voice at the, uh, at, at the beginning of the first round. Uh, Marine Le Pen uh, is quite popular uh, outside the city. She's really not doing great, especially in Paris. There's some other cities like here in Marseille, she's doing a little bit better, but uh, not quite as much as what she's doing in Northern France, for example, uh, which is a, you know, uh, industrial part of France that has, uh, that has been having trouble, economic troubles for, for, for a while so now. like a U.S. The, Rust Belt kind of thing. Or U.S. Rust Belt or in the U.K., the, you know, the northern U.K., the area around Manchester that has been, you know, the, the red wall uh, that, that has been backing Brexit there. So that kind of demographic, uh, that kind of geographical area, that's where um, Marine Le Pen is doing good. And she's uh, doing quite good with the electorate that is 
age between 35, I think, and 60 years old. So uh, that's quite interesting. And as for the young voters, they're kind of divided between all the candidates. Marine Le Pen quite, get quite of them. There's a few young voters who are voting Macron, but the one that was really popular with youth is Jean-Luc Mélenchon. Uh, and, and that's why uh, we're wondering what a lot of young voters will do for the, the second run of the election. And what they can do also is stay home, which is also a, a, a big risk. And that could have a big impact on, on, on the, the issue, of the, the, the results of the election. So uh, we mentioned earlier the, 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 the second round poll suggests that Macron was still up by you know, 10, 12 points, something like that. But he won by, by about 30 points uh, back in 2017. Yeah, it was about 66%. So what's... Then. What's what's behind that? Why is Le Pen doing better and Macron doing worse than last time? There's a few things. Um, first of all, uh, Emmanuel Macron was a kind of outsider last time, obviously. Uh, he, he was minister in the socialist government, minister of the economy, uh, but he created his new uh, center party. Uh, so he was seen as an outsider. A lot of voters more saying, you know, why not trying that person? Uh, so he got voters from the right, voters from the left. Uh, but now Emmanuel Macron uh, has, you know, has been president for five years. He has a record to defend. Uh, so, you know, you're not in the same situation. And it, it has been um, five years with a few crises. Uh, obviously, uh, now you have the, the, the war in Ukraine in which Emmanuel Macron has been quite involved talking to Vladimir Putin and, and to Volodymyr Zelensky. There's been the COVID like everybody else, France has been quite affected. Uh, and uh, some social unrest, like the movement of the Gilets jaunes. I don't, you probably remember um, the, those scenes, people that were uh, quite angry um, regarding especially cost of living, which is still an issue in France right now. Uh, we saw scene, uh, scenes of violence in the streets of Paris back then. And so uh, he, he, he is quite unpopular with uh, part of the population. Um, some voters from the far right, some voters from the far left also uh, don't like Emmanuel Macron. So obviously there's some people, and you hear that when you talk to people, some people who are saying, you know, I voted for him last time. Um, I'm not happy with what he did. Uh, maybe he was a little bit to right to the center for me if I'm a left-wing voters, let's say. And, and that's why some people are saying, you know, I, I won't vote for him again. Marine Le Pen, on the other hand, um, changed quite a lot of her, her strategy. Um, obviously, she's still you know, leading the Rassemblement National, a, a party that changed name in the, the last uh, few years. Uh, it was known as the Front National, a party that was founded by her, her father, quite controversial, obviously, far-right party. Um, and, and what she did this year is that she, um, she's been doing a quite discreet campaign. Uh, she, we didn't saw her too much on you know the big national tv shows she was she's been traveling a lot in villages and towns across france and she's also been focusing on the issues linked to the economy and to cost of living uh, inflations issues that are really really important uh, for french people uh, either from the right or, or the left uh, and we haven't been hearing her talking too much about uh, issues like uh, immigration which can be quite controversial, controversial uh, of course. We hear it, but uh, she's putting much more attention on those issues linked to the cost of living. And, and another, another thing that happened with, with Marine Le Pen is the emergence of another far-right candidate 
Eric Zemmour, uh, who's a polemist, uh, journalist, uh, author, uh, well-known in France. He's, uh, people have known him for a while because he's been, you know, to, to a lot of TV shows. Uh, so, so it's some, somebody that people know a lot. Uh, and he, he tried to, to, well, he ran for president this year. Uh, and he was seen as a much more controversial figure uh, than Marine Le Pen. So a lot of observers are saying that, you know, he got uh, all the controversies and the bad press. And she, she was a little bit under the radar in the meantime. Uh, and, and that can explain, you know, why we've seen her emerge uh, during this campaign. She's also put a little bit of water in her wine in terms of position on the European Union and the Euro. Not, you know, before there was talk about French leaving the, the European Union, yeah. the Brexit, yeah, but not so much anymore. No, that's right. Well, if you watch a debate uh, on, ter- on Wednesday night, you would hear Emmanuel Macron saying that basically with all her proposals, uh, with changing EU rules, that would mean basically leaving the EU as we know it. But she's not saying, I want to leave the European Union. She's not saying, you know, we want to do the same as Great Britain. Uh, and also she's not talking about, you know, getting the franc back instead of the euro. So it's true that there's been some change in in the in, in the positions and changing changes in, in the image. And, and I mean, the, 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 the Rassemblement National or party, uh, people there have been saying that they've been working on Marine Le Pen image to soften a little bit her, her image. Uh, and that's probably something that helped her um, to, to, get where she, to get where she is today at the end of the campaign. So there, you mentioned the debate on Wednesday. Um, what, first of all, what was your impression of the debate? Uh, it's it's a very different one. If, if people yeah. didn't see any of the clips, it's one-on-one. They're both sitting down and it was three hours, facing lots each other. of discussion. Yes, facing each other, which I really enjoyed because they had to interact. Um, what was your takeaway from the debate? I think it was a really interesting debate uh, for the French electorate because as you said, Eric, uh, it's it was supposed to be two and a half hours. It was three hours. Uh, they got into details uh, on a lot of issues, especially important issues for French people, the, the economy. European Union, the war in Ukraine. Um, for Marine Le Pen, it was quite an important moment because uh, five years ago, it was the same, same, basically same debate. I mean, the two same people were debating each other and it was a really, really bad night back then for Marine Le Pen. She, she seemed unprepared. Uh, Emmanuel Macron uh, was well prepared back then and, and that, uh, that had a bad, really bad impact for her at the end of the 2017 campaign. So this year, um, she's been preparing. The last two days, we didn't see her too much on cameras doing events. She was preparing for the debate. Um, so it was kind of a different debate. Uh, the ambience was different. The, the tone was different. Uh, but I mean, uh, Marine Le Pen was still supposed to be the one who was supposed to attack Emmanuel Macron. And she got attacked a lot by Emmanuel Macron, um, especially on the issues uh, that can be quite sensitive for her and her party. Um, I think the biggest one is Russia, especially with the international context right now. Um, she, you know, her, her party got a loan a few years ago from a Russian bank. Et comme votre serviteur aussi, madame. Simplement, ils vont, donc, comme vous l'avez dit, dans des banques françaises pour payer leur voiture haute. Ils ne vont pas chercher 
plusieurs millions dans une banque russe liée au pouvoir qu'il ne rembourse pas. C'est ça la différence. Ne dites pas, monsieur Macron, je ne peux pas vous laisser dire. Non, je ne peux pas vous laisser dire. Et donc Emmanuel Macron, you know, attacked her on this, saying, you know, when, when you talk about Russia, you, you talk to your, basically, to, to, to your bank. Uh, and, and that's something that, you know, that we, we said, that's a quote we, we saw a lot on, on, uh, on, on the news. Uh, she, she also attacked Macron on a few things, especially on the, let's say on in the, in the environment, uh, saying that it was kind of hypocrite and everything. So it was an interesting debate. Um, there's, uh, I think, two things. Marine Le Pen was uh, prepared, but she didn't really, we cannot say that she dominated, dominated the, the debate. Uh, Macron was still really present, really on the offensive. Emmanuel Macron, on the other end, a lot of people notice, a lot of observers notice that he was kind of, especially at the beginning of the debate, kind of arrogant uh, in his attitude, uh, even if, you know, people were saying, yeah, he, he knows his issues, he knows his files, that's not a problem, but he looked arrogant, and that could be a problem with part of the electorate, because when you talk to some voters, they say what they don't like about Emmanuel Macron is his tone, his attitude, um, which we, we saw also in the debate yesterday. So will it change something? Um, Not sure that it's going to be a you know, big, big issue, especially at the end like that. But I think for people who wanted to learn a little bit more about the issues, what both candidates were proposing, it was kind of interesting. And even both of them at the end of the debate, when they were deb debating about um, immigration, uh, they, they both agree. We have two different vision and people can see where, where we are on this issue. So I think it was kind of good for, for the voters and the, the electorate. What will it mean for non-French people, for everybody else, for elsewhere in Europe, especially here in Canada, if it's Macron or Le Pen? Uh, what impact, broader impacts, will it have? I think it's a, the, the role of France in the world. They don't see things the same way and, you know, they don't hide it. Emmanuel Macron is a big fan of the European Union. Uh, France right now is leading the EU Council, um, and, and he talks a lot about the EU, how Europe can be stronger, especially on issues like defense. Uh, Marine Le Pen, she doesn't want to leave the EU, so that's different from before, but she doesn't see the EU as uh, something that should be central in, in French politics and policies. Um, she's a big fan of uh, strong nations inside the European Union. Um, and she's been an ally, with, uh, for example, of uh, Viktor Orban, who's the, the prime minister of Hungary, uh, who is having trouble and a difficult relationship with Brussels. So if Marine Le Pen gets elected, it's going to change things on the European level. Uh, it's going to change thing, the dynamics inside the European Union. Uh, and it can have an impact also on Uh, other files, other issues, such as the, the, the war in, in, in the Ukraine. Uh, we talked about this earlier, but Marine Le Pen, um, between the two rounds, did a big press conference about how she sees you know, the role of France in the world. And she, she said that uh, once the war is done, once the war is, uh, is over, uh, she's going to be pushing, if she's elected, for uh, a better relation between Russia and NATO. Uh, which is not something we hear from Emmanuel Macron right now, even if he tried to talk to, to Vladimir Putin uh, quite a lot during the, the, the last few months. So, you know, there's a big shift, I, I think, on the, on, on the uh, international level, especially European, but it could have an impact on the international level. I mean, France is, 
uh, still an important country. Uh, it's still leading the EU with Germany. Uh, it's still a country that has a seat at the uh, UN Security Council. Um, so foreign policy decision in French can have an impact for, for everybody, especially us. Uh, I mean, for Canada, uh, the, there was a line yesterday from Marine Le Pen that she didn't like, um, was it Canadian beef. chicken or beef? Beef. It's Brazilian chicken, chicken Brazil. and Canadian yeah, yeah. beef. Yeah. Uh, you know, she's not been a fan of CETA. Uh, the, 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 the the trading agreement between France and, and the European Union. So, uh, you know, having uh, a president like that could have impact on, on, on trading relationship or so it's it, it can be quite impactful. So that, that's an, an, an important election. Um, and it's going to be quite interesting to, 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 to watch. And, you know, obviously there could be a lot of uh, impact for the French, you know, national policy. Uh, on the French national landscape, uh, if Macron is re-elected, uh, you know, he's pushing for um, the retirement age to, to be uh, leveled up at 65 years old, which is quite controversial here. It can be uh, uh, strange for Canadians or other people, but here it's a big, big issue. Um, he tried it in the past, didn't work out. So, you know, will we see other big protests? Uh, you know, the environment can be quite tense in France on social issues like that. So, can have a big impact here, obviously, but I, I mean, for Canadian listeners and, and, and people in the other parts of the world, I think it's mostly on international and European files that we, we're going to see the impact of the results of this election. I would just finish on this because I remember when Macron uh, was elected, you know, Justin Trudeau had been elected in 2015. Uh, then there was the Donald Trump winning in 2016 and then Emmanuel Macron in 2017. It seemed like a... Um, you know, it was Macron and Trudeau who were these more of these progressive, uh, small L liberal uh, kind of bulwarks against, you know, populism rising in the United States and other places. You know, five years later, um, you know, what is how, how, how do we think back to, you know, when Macron came and what that signified? Well, it, it was a, a change for sure, because, you know, as we we're talking about those the, the the French you know traditional parties uh, didn't win the presidency, so it was something that people haven't seen for a while. You know, centrist president uh, arriving here uh, on the international level. I mean, yeah, it's true that Macron has been allied with Trudeau on, on some issues, uh, like the fighting the U.S. tariffs. Uh, let's say I remember when before the G7, I think. In Canada, Macron came to Ottawa first and did a press conference with Trudeau and they were saying, you know, we're going to work together on this. So we saw them working on a few things, defending uh, multilateralism, uh, which was quite important for them. But Macron is also somebody who has been trying to work with everybody. I mean, you saw him with Trump, um, even if he was, he's been saying lines like, you know, make our planet great again after uh, Trump left the the Paris Agreement, he's been also trying to develop a good relationship with Trump. We saw him inviting Trump uh, in, in Paris for the national uh, holiday, the Jour de Bastille, on July 14. So, you know, we, we saw him kind of try to develop a relationship with other people that don't necessarily think like him. Uh, well, he was one of the few European leaders who went to Moscow before the war uh, to meet with Vladimir Putin. He's still talking to him. Um, so he, he's kind of an interesting creature on the international level where, you know, of course, he's a big defender of multi multilateralism, uh, the European Union, that's quite clear, but he's also 
trying to work with other people. Uh, so I, I don't know how I would describe him uh, on that level, but uh, yeah. Well, the election is going to be on Sunday. The results will be uh, known. Uh, I, the way that they count the results in France is a bit different from here. They do a sort of a sampling of different uh, sampling, results. Yeah. yeah, and we and the results come out around Eastern time, somewhere in the mid-afternoon. Is that right? Yeah, it's going to be 2 p.m. Eastern times. So it's 8 p.m. here. And it's, it's quite funny because, uh, you know, when you're used to covering... Uh, Canadian elections, uh, you know, you have to wait for every writing to have a good idea of, you know, who's going to get the majority if, if they get a majority. Um, if you cover U.S. election, then it can be longer. I mean, I covered the 2020 election. It lasted for, for a week. Uh, here in France, it's at 8 p.m. You know, they do a 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Now it's 8 p.m. You get the face of the winner arriving on your screen. And that's it. And... Um, you know, I don't know in the detail of the work with the sampling and everything, but it, I mean, if you look at the past result, it's quite good, actually. They're not too far from the, the actual results. It's going to change, you know, uh, a little bit, but they're quite close to the actual result of the election. So it's quite, it's quite interesting to see. I mean, you don't have a lot of uh, tension in the air for hours. Uh, it's a quick moment, but after that, you can do a lot of analysis and get a lot of reactions. So it's a, it's a different way to, to cover election. Yeah, well, it'll be uh, really interesting to see the results. And Raphael, really appreciate you coming on to explain it all to us today. Pleasure, Eric. Thanks. Thanks again to Raphael. And that'll be it for the RIT podcast for this week. I hope you'll check out therit.ca for all the latest from me. And if you like this podcast and the work that I'm doing, I hope you'll consider a subscription to the website if you aren't already a subscriber. Also, check out my YouTube channel. I posted earlier this week a brief history of elections in Ontario from 1867 all the way up to 2018. All right. Until next week, keep safe and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.